Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Commonwealth Club of California. Thank you all for being here with us tonight. I'm Michelle Miao. I'm a member of the Board of Governors for the Commonwealth Club, and also I have a program here at the club called the Michelle Miao Show. Your A through Z, covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between. <laughs> we want to thank our friends at the Bernard Osher Foundation for making tonight possible. Tonight's program is part of our Good Lit series. Our special guest tonight does not need much of an introduction, uh, but I thought we would welcome her in the most special way possible, and that is in the form of a question. So here's what we're going to do. I'll give you the category and then the statement, and then you're going to answer in the form of a question such as, who is dot, dot, dot. I hope you know the answer to it. So here's a category. Jeopardy champs. Here's the statement. Made Jeopardy history with a 40-game winning streak, taking home over $1.3 million. On account of one, two, three, it's your turn to to answer in the way that I said we would. Ready? One, two, three. I, shouldn't, I should not be a game show talk host, and that's why I'm not. But let's do it one more time. One, two, three. Who is Amy Schneider? Let's welcome Amy Schneider to the stage. Amy, welcome back to the Commonwealth Club of California. Thank you. It is good to be here. This was, if I'm remembering correctly, I believe this was the first kind of public event I did after my original Jeopardy run. So it's, it's really great to be back. Yeah, that's right. Actually, I was going to say, the last time you were here, I think you had just cashed the, the check from Jeopardy <laughs> and, and, it, and it had just dried up from the champagne sparkles. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Yes. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah, and so um, I guess, you know, since then, you've written a book. I, I've written an entire <laughs> book. It's hard. To, I find it hard to believe myself. Yes, in the form of a question, the joys and rewards of a curious life. And so hopefully you all got your copy. If not, we do have them right outside the door and you'll be doing some signings. Yeah. Got to get mine signed. Absolutely. Um, I really enjoyed the book. You know, it, it, uh, it was interesting and it was surprising. To be honest with you, it it felt like I was, you know, had front row seats in the corner of your brilliant mind. And we went back and forth from memories, some of them dark. And then, you know, seeing like uh, your intellect, like transact. (laughs) That's what it felt like. Uh Uh, But I loved it. And so, you know, kind of walk us through the the intent, why you wanted to write a book. Yeah. What's this book for? Yeah, I mean, you know, it started out just, you know, right around the time that we last spoke, a bunch of people were reaching out to me with things, and one of them was a literary agent, was like, do you want to write a book? And, you know, I, I said, you know, sure, why not? Um, I've, I've enjoyed writing, you know, pretty much my whole life. It wasn't something I ever planned to do seriously. Um, but one of the things that really got me excited about it at the time was, you know, I was kind of sick of talking about Jeopardy. And... <laughs> Um, you know, everything that people were bringing to me were around Jeopardy and trivia. And it's not that I find that unpleasant, but I wanted to have the opportunity to talk about different parts of myself. Um, and so the, the kind of original concept for it and the thing that I was motivated by was to talk about, you know, so many people were asking me, like, how did you know all that stuff? How are you so good on Jeopardy and, and, and all this sort of thing? And when I thought about that question, I realized that, 
you know, it was about curiosity. It was about a love of learning, about an excitement about learning that I was kind of raised with and that I think has brought me so many benefits, you know, of which Jeopardy is a big one. But like well before that, it, it it's something that I've been glad to have as part of my personality. And I wanted to kind of advocate for that, um, being curious about the world and being curious about yourself. Um. And so that was that was kind of where I was going when I, I first set out to write the book. Um, I wasn't intending it to be as much of a memoir as it is, um, kind of from just a self-deprecating, like, oh, who wants to hear the story of little old me sort of thing. Um, but as it developed, I realized that, um, you know, a few one, that like, you know, as a trans person, it's a story that isn't often told. And so any chance that somebody with a platform has to tell that story is worth telling. Um, but the other big thing that changed from when I started to the actual book that came out was I started to get uncomfortable with the, um, I started to get uncomfortable with how relatable I was um, and how nice and family friendly and, and all of that sort of thing that I was from being on Jeopardy. You know, I, I was showing a, a certain part of myself, um, the part that was appropriate to share on Jeopardy. And, you know, as time went on, I heard from so many people that, oh, you know, me or my father or my relative or somebody that was the first trans person that they had encountered or the first one that they had accepted. And while on the one hand that was incredibly gratifying, it also started to make me feel uncomfortable with the idea that because what they were encountering in me was just like sort of my best self, that that was setting a standard for other trans people that would be unfair. You know, I had this vision of people being like, oh, I'm fine with trans people. Like, I love that nice Amy on Jeopardy. Why can't you just be like that nice Amy on Jeopardy? Um and so that became an, the sort of secondary mission of the book is to show that that nice Amy on Jeopardy has done a lot of, you know, sort of, I've, I've done a lot of drugs. I've had some weird <laughs> sex. Um, I've had a complicated and messy life and that that's all part of who I am. And it's, it's part of a lot of trans people's experience. And it doesn't mean we can't be successful and accepted. I oh, love it. I love it so much. So the book does begin with the question of how did you get so smart? And one of the things that related, you know, to me, and I think for many of us in this room is you, you said that we all have different ways of, you know, being smart or, um, intelligence, you know, is diverse in itself. Uh, you just happen to know a bunch of facts, a bunch of things (laughs) like, I want to say ovulation, but it's not that word. It's oviparous. Ovipar- yeah, ovip- I think is oviparous, but I could be wrong. Ov- yeah, <laughs> actually, I realize now that I'm not 100% sure how it's pronounced. But yeah, the word oviparous meaning uh, egg-bearing or egg-laying. Um, yeah, yeah. What other, what other words um, do you know? Kind of. <laughs> I mean, you know, I know a lot of words, and it's one of those things where it's like the ones I know... <laughs> are obvious to me. And so sometimes I'll like, you know, trot one out and people are like, Oh, what's that word? I'm like, Oh, I thought everybody knew that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I've been thinking about it a bit lately. I've been 
you know, because it's something that's always interested me. Uh, a, a word that I like is the word scammels. Um, and it, the reason I like it is because it's from Shakespeare. It's a line that Caliban says in The Tempest. I, and I played Caliban once when I was a kid. And what I like about it is that nobody has the slightest idea what it means. Um, people think that it was probably some kind of typo at some point in transcribing Shakespeare's plays. But there it is. It's a word. It's a line. You know, it's a word and a line you have to memorize as Caliban. You have to decide for yourself what it means because nobody has any idea. And I think that that's kind of fundamentally true of all words is that the meaning of all words is constantly being negotiated. And I think that that's just a, you know, that that sort of example like brings that out about about vocabulary that there's no magical dictionary that everything can be referred to. We're all just making up as we go along. <laughs> yeah. Um, although I do really make up words and, uh, <laughs> in my own head, at least. Um, and it, that kind of applies, though, with coming to terms. I think a lot of LGBTQIA plus people go through this where we even ask ourselves, like, when did you know? Yeah. And for you, I love that, you know, you're just so honest about maybe not really knowing or that it's always evolving. But the most important thing is that we know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, you know, it's something that, you know, sort of the the narrative is that like, you know, for I'll, I'll, I'll keep it limited to trans people, but the, the narrative is that, you know, you've always known and I've known trans people uh, from childhood who are like that, that, you know, I remember them at a very young age fighting with their parents about what clothes they would be allowed to wear and, and all of that sort of thing. And that's that was sort of the narrative that once I knew trans people existed, that was the narrative I had about them. Um, and because that hadn't been true for me, that I had never demanded to wear a dress um, or, or anything like that, um, it made me for a long time, even after I started to come to terms with my gender identity, just like doubt myself and believe, you know, feel like I was not, you know, sort of an imposter syndrome sort of thing. That like, I'm, I'm like real trans people, uh, you know, feel that way. And I didn't, so I'm not real. I'm fake in some way. And so I, I shouldn't be like, I shouldn't be stealing their thunder by like claiming this identity. Um, so that was something that was, you know, extremely important to me to talk about in that book that I am 100% convinced that I was born a woman, have always been one, um, will always be one, even though for the first 30-odd years of my life, if you had asked me if I was a woman, I would have very confidently said no. Um, and, you know, those things are both true. And when I was first dealing with this, I didn't think those could both be true, but apparently they can. Being trans is strange. I don't know what to say. You do include um, a relationship in this book, and it's your first marriage. Mm-hmm. And part of the coming out, you know, also involves her. And then, unfortunately, we we learn from the book that the marriage ended. Mm-hmm. Um, you're really open about about that. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 
let's let's talk through what that relationship taught you. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that, you know, it's it's a, a complicated thing. I mean, it's certainly, a, you know, one of the, we were married for 10 years and it's one of the most important relationships in my life. And, you know, she was not just my wife for 10 years, but was also for all that time the only relationship I'd ever been in. Um, and, you know, she's somebody that I, I still, you know, care for and, and still love a lot. But it is also somebody that I I use that marriage and I use that relationship as a way to avoid thinking about myself. I used it as a way of saying, okay, my thing is done. I am married to Kelly. That's my deal. And I don't have to think about who I am. I don't have to think about what my role in the world is. Like, this is it, and I'll never have to ask myself these uncomfortable questions again. Um, And so when I started to question my gender identity, you know, I really believed at that time that Kelly would not have accepted me as a woman. And, you know, in, in talking that over with her since then, that, you know, sort of surprised her. And she didn't feel that that was was ever really the case. And I think it's just something that I was, again, like, that that marriage was my excuse to not have to think about anything. And so I was continuing to use it as that same kind of crutch that I was like, well, I can't be trans because then Kelly would leave me. And so now I don't have to think about it. Um, And that may never have been true. But then, you know, our marriage ended for, you know, a variety of reasons, as as marriages do. And once I didn't have that crutch anymore, I was like, oh, wow, damn, this is actually, this is actually a real thing. And, you know, it, it's something that I do, I, I say in the book, I appreciate her ending that marriage because it needed to. And it forced me to think through these things that I was, like, using her to avoid thinking through. And I, I, you know, as much as I hate to say it, because I was so angry at the time, but, like, it really was for my benefit as well as hers. I want to read um, from the book. I wrote it down here in my notes. And you had started a journal once the the marriage ended. So I'm going to read the excerpt that you included there. So it's October 2nd, 2016, which it's like, you know, it's almost October 2nd. Trippy. Um, I guess the worst day of my life is a good, a good a day is any to start a journal. Kelly just left. I still don't know why. Not really. I don't know how to live without her. Maybe I'll try being a pirate for a while or a writer or a woman. Um... Pirate? Oh, well, in the context of my free association, uh, I was kind of thinking about like the Dread Pirate Roberts and that like that feeling expresses the end of her is like my whole purpose has been taken away. So that that's kind of where that came from. I don't, you know, the other two seem to have come, turned out to come true. I don't expect that I will end up being a pirate, though. <laughs> But you're a woman and you're a writer now. Yeah. And um, again, love, love, love the uh, collection of essays here. Um, one one thing that you did mention about the relationship and you're open about it is not just being trans, but also poly or polyamorous. Mm-hmm. 
And I think I think for like for me, what I I just appreciated how how honest you were about that. Do you get questions? I mean, I know the book is dropping soon, but yeah, you know, I uh, like yeah, I, I haven't much yet, but I, I mean, I really. You know, and as I kind of talk about, I kind of got a lot of those questions back when Kelly and I first made that decision back in Ohio, and and kind of through the course of of our relationship, um, and it's it's something that, you know, it it it's something that is just sort of feels very obvious to me. Um, it feels very obvious to me that the the health of a relationship is not directly correlated to the people whose genitals get touched, um, you know, outside of that relationship. There, it, it, you know, monogamy to me always felt very tied into uh, kind of like sort of religious morality and things like that, this idea that sex was some kind of magic as opposed to just one of the many ways that humans relate to each other, you know, and it's not to say that, um, you know, that it's not to say that I couldn't uh, cheat in a relationship because I could, there's just nothing about sex in particular that makes that cheating regardless of any other, you know, arrange, you know, any other understanding that we have with each other. You also talk about, being famous now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what popped up for me reading that chapter? What do people say to you? Like, what are some of the most <laughs> like questions or comments now that you're <clears throat> famous? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what a lot of people say to me is that my mom loves you. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I think that it's... You know, I mean, people really don't, like, ask me a lot of questions, to be honest, as I think about it. Like, people want to tell me, you know, you know, what their experience of seeing me on TV was like uh, and and all those sorts of things. People want to tell me about themselves, although, oddly, rarely do they want to tell me their names, which is something that, in retrospect, you know, if I was to meet a, a famous person and be like you know, asking for a selfie or whatever. I wouldn't introduce myself either. But being on the other side of it, it is something, you know, people will be like, oh, it was so great to meet you. And I'll be like, yes, (laughs) but I didn't exactly meet you, you know? Um, And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you know, how humans are. Um, But yeah, it's... it's, uh, There is a... There is a strange thing about it that, it, you know, I mostly love being famous, to be clear. Um, I think it's great. But it is a strange thing to constantly meet people who know you, but you don't know them. Um, and it does, you know, every relationship starts off on this kind of, like, unequal level in that way. Um, and it's it's hard to get across to people you know, depending on the circumstance, but it's like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want people to feel awkward around me, but sometimes they do, and there's nothing I can do about that. Well, you say that you actually do enjoy, though, the taking the selfies and yeah. meeting people and, and the the attention. That doesn't really bother you too much. Although, 
I guess one day could be overbearing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, again, like people come up and tell me I'm great. It's wonderful. Like overall. Um, but it's also something that I can't hit pause on if it's a day where I don't really want to be doing that. If I'm, you know, going through something um, in my life or, or whatever else, and I'm out on the street, I can't just turn it off. So, you know, it is like, you know, it is overall a thing that I'm really happy about and I think is a good thing in my life. Um, but it's not like I can, you know, I can't tune it precisely. And sometimes it's, it's, sometimes people come up and I'm like, I really wish this was not happening right now, but I just got to like smile and do the thing and, and get through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Amy, I mean, we all know you as Amy. Uh, There is a chapter in the book where you talk about selecting Amy. Mm -hmm. You know, I was younger. I wanted to change my name from Michelle to Tiffany or Heather. They were just the wealthiest girls in the classroom. So that's why I wanted to change my name. Yeah. But like for you, I was kind of a little butthurt that you didn't choose Michelle. It it floated (laughs) your mind. It it was a name I considered, too. And Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it was um it's 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 a strange thing to name yourself and it's a particularly a strange thing to be in that in between space that I was in for a bit where I knew that my previous name was wrong but I didn't have a new one yet and so I just was nameless for a, a brief period of time. It's it's a strange experience. Um you know and you know I I say in the book uh, that, like, you know, my I was previously named Tom, um, and, you know, there was something about it. I was just like, I liked everything about that name except the gender, and so what's the female version of that? Um, which was a challenge, because one of the things about, like, there's so much that this is true about in terms of the genders, but, like... With male names, as with clothing and hairstyles and everything else, there's very few options. And then on the female side, there's many, many options. And so having one of the, like, ten standard boy names, that doesn't exist in the same way on, on the, the female side. And so it wasn't, you know, it was, it was a challenge to me to find something that had that same feeling um, that, that my previous name had had. Um, but yeah, and so I don't know why Michelle wasn't it and Amy was, but like it came into my main, my mind one day and it just, it clicked. Well, you're Amy. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you hated Boy Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Passionately. You know, I thought, a thought went through my mind. I was reading this and I was like, why, why? I mean... Wouldn't the world be so much better if we just didn't force young boys, men, or, you know, however we define that into, uh, or anyone, actually. We should not force people into these gender roles or these expectations of what we defined as gender. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be a better place? I mean, you know, yes. Although at the same time, it's something that I, I do... You know, I have not kind of fully resolved this this sort of paradox that... On the one hand, I completely agree. I think that like being forced into gender roles was very harmful to me. On the other hand, as somebody that is a trans woman, 
the gender binary is in a certain sense necessary to me. You know, if there was no difference between the way men and women dressed, how would I be able to express that I was a woman? Um, so I think that, you know, like I say, that's something that I just genuinely have not figured out a resolution to in my mind. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I do think that, uh, you know, broadly speaking, I think that, uh, you know, to whatever extent gender exists, particularly in childhood, nobody should be forced into it and people should be able to, you know, navigate it however they want. Uh, in a way that, you know, I did not feel that I had the option to choose Girl Scouts over Boy Scouts. And that, I can certainly say, is harmful. The question of whether there should be any kind of grouping by, you know, gender is is a little more challenging for me. Because I do wish that I'd been able to be in Girl Scouts, and thus I wish that Girl Scouts had existed. So it's, yeah. You also talk about living with ADD, mm-hmm. and um very open about it. I... I appreciated the chapter. I understand ADD now, but I still don't get it. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, the the thing that it is to me is that, um, you know, an ADD brain just doesn't process uh, dopamine, I'm pretty sure is the right uh, chemical, uh, as efficiently. And so that basically means that that sort of like default level of like nothing particularly is stimulating my brain, like I'm like you know, my boredom like starts at a much lower level. Like I am just bored well before anybody, you know, people without ADD are. Um, and so, you know, like, and, which is why stimulant medication is so effective. It provides that extra sort of dopamine rush at your baseline so that it just gets your brain to the sort of normal, like nothing's going on, but I'm not particularly bored and I can sort of choose what to focus on. Um, because that's, you know, when I look back at my life, the, the many years of my life before it was treated, what I see so often is just the painfulness of sitting, sitting through a PowerPoint presentation where somebody's just going through each slide and reading it verbatim, um, would be like, not just unpleasant, but like awful, Um, and I like, you know, it made me, I, for as, you know, quote unquote smart as I am, uh, in an, in an academically favorable way, I doubted that I was ever going to graduate college because I hated sitting in a classroom so, so, so much that it was a struggle to get myself to go. I, you know, I flunked out of classes because I just didn't show up for weeks at a time because I found it so miserable to sit there. So, you know, that's that's kind of what, you know, learning that, that that was just like a difference in brain chemistry and is just a thing that many people share with me was a wonderful experience. And it was a it was because I just always thought I was lazy um, and it was great to find a, a different story to tell myself. Before the uh, actual medication for ADD talked a little bit about um, drugs. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, but uh, yeah. so let's talk about drugs. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, what would the Jeopardy producers think? Um, you know, I, I guess I'll find out to an extent. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it, <laughs> you know, again, like this was kind of the point. It was like, I don't, uh, you know, I, uh, 
my life is not all suitable for what the Jeopardy producers want it to be. Um, but it's also, I, I think that, again, as sort of a representative of the trans community, I know that, like, you know, the, the statistics are out there. Like, trans people are more likely to have used, you know, a variety of illegal drugs, sometimes to have gotten in trouble with them, sometimes not. Um, and, you know, I certainly have. I, and I think that I can see the reason for that. I think that, you know, once you realize how incorrect everybody in your life was telling you about what gender you were and what clothes you were allowed to wear and all of that sort of thing, all of a sudden, everything that there's this uni- universal consensus about, about that, like, bad, scary drugs, the whole sort of, like, D.A.R.E. program, war on drugs environment that I was raised in, I was like, well, maybe that's not true, and I'm not going to believe it until I experience it for myself. Um, you know, and, I, and the fact is that I don't regret it, and I don't believe that the messages I was given as a child about drugs were accurate or helpful or, you know, like useful for society uh you know the fact is that like even as a child i always struggled to understand if drugs are so terrible why do people keep doing them (laughs) you know and at some point i was just like well i'm gonna like try this out for myself and i I found out why they do them (laughs) (laughs) okay on a scale uh from one to ten how bored are you uh, <laughs> Ten being really bored, one being not so bored. Um, I'm, you know, I'm kind of like at a four right now, which okay. is not bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. I, people are paying attention to me, which always is feels good. Like that helps. Well, let, let's um, let's do something then, and maybe we can uh, increase that level. I know you do tarot card readings. Yeah, and uh, I I found some tarot cards at home. <laughs> All and, right, and so I thought maybe we could just you could we could do tarot card reading yeah sure right here on the program yeah. all right while we get set up i know you like dark horse sauvignon blanc i don't have that i found this <laughs> in, the, in the you know so so we could do this over wine i i mean i'm not gonna turn that down okay so that's i'll pour like some sauvignon blanc a little, a little screw top sauvignon you know? blanc that's, <laughs> that's that's my jam well you mentioned you know you started doing tarot card readings or uh hanging out with a group of of you know that to meet women, yes, <laughs> that is correct. Yes, uh, <laughs> Thank you. and um, how'd that go? Uh, you know, I, I mean, the first, the first night I met Genevieve, my current wife, I gave her a tarot reading, and here we are. So, like, that worked out. Yeah. Oh, awesome! Here, cheers! Congratulations on the <laughs> book of essays. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, I have a wife. And I'll scoot this closer to us. Yeah. Or should we stand or how do you, whatever is uh, comfortable? Yeah, well, I think, yeah, we can, yeah. Okay. And so, you know, this also uh, plays into uh, your background and, mm-hmm. and being coming from a Catholic background and then eventually finding yourself, you figured that <laughs> you believe tarot card readings, I guess, over um, some of the other stuff that you've <laughs> learned throughout the way. Well, indeed. Although, I mean, like, I don't believe that this has any magic to it um this is just a deck of cards with pictures painted on them and i will tell you what i would always tell people when i first get them a tarot reading which is that i'm not going to tell you anything that you don't already know yourself um this is just a tool of generating stories and generating insight into your own brain 
Um, so I'll give you the deck and you can cut it if you want or rearrange it however you wish or not. It's entirely up to you. Do I need to like... You don't, you don't need to do anything. Oh, really? Yeah. It's okay. just whatever, whenever you think that Well, I feel in right. control if I touch it, so I'm, I'm going to okay. cut it. And, and Beautiful. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I will just do the sort of like simplest spread. I always do like three card spreads because to me, like doing some of those bigger like, you know, Celtic Cross or, or different spreads like that, I find it harder to keep the story um, consistent and coherent over that, over that number of cards. Um, so I'm going to do for you, um, I'm trying to think, okay, so from your perspective, I'll just do, uh, just, uh, this is one that I came up with, but it's like, you know, what do I want? What do I need? What am I trying to do? Um, it's a way of just orienting ourselves and our lives. It's like, what is, you know, what is my desire? What's my need? And then what am I actually doing to accomplish those things? Uh, so for what I want, we've got the chariot, uh, reversed. Uh, then for what do I need, we've got the sun reversed to Major Arcana. And then for what are you trying to do is the Page of Pentacles. Uh, so, you know, Major Arcana versus Minor. The Minor Arcana is the majority of the deck. Um, they represent things that are a bit more uh, transient in our lives. And the Major Arcana represent things that are deeper. As far as these being reversed, different people have different things. I don't believe that this means the opposite of the original meaning. I believe that it's something... That that is just more hidden to you, more that, that you're not as much in touch with. So what do you want? The chariot. The chariot, we see this person in a, a chariot. It's a, a stone chariot being drawn by like sphinxes or something. And it's kind of representing a triumphal parade. Um, but, you know, so it is about kind of like that sort of success, worldly success, like getting what you want, being recognized for it. But it is also very much the image of it is very much this person is kind of closed off in it. And it's like the chariot is made of stone. It's heavy. And there is a sort of, um, I think, a clear message there of like, okay, that's great, but what's next? Um, and I'll, I'll put this all together in a second. Uh, the sun. This is in the, the what do you need column. The major arcana take us on a journey where we're going out to find the wisdom um, that lies beyond the veil, that like sort of deeper spiritual wisdom. Um, and then at the end, we take it back to the world with us. And so the, the, high, the high point of that is these three cards, the star, the sun, and the moon. Um, the sun is one of them. The sun shows the sun shining out, and there's this naked baby just riding a horse. They love it. And the sun is about just the joy of getting that, you know, that glimpse of higher truth, how amazing and wonderful and bright that feels. Um, and so, you know, what we're seeing here is that the sort of want that you're kind of having is to have that experience of, like, accomplishment in sort of a worldly way and in a way that is recognized by others in the chariot. But the need is really, you know, rather than getting that from others, is to get it from kind of the universe and to get it from that deeper understanding. So then what are you, you know, actually trying to do? We've got the Page of Pentacles. Uh, pentacles are the sign of Earth. They're often associated with money, which is true. Um, but they're also just associated with all the sort of body things, uh, you know, food, shelter, comfort, sex, sleep, you know, all of these sorts of things that have nothing to do with the higher self. And the page and all of the, the suits represent somebody that is kind of just setting out on that journey. And so what I'm getting from this is that, 
you know, what you're trying to do with your life right now is you're just trying to, you know, get things, whether in your career, whether in your, you know, your, your, you know, whether you're looking for a house, whether it's things like that, you're trying to go out there and get those things, get that process started, get it in a place that you're comfortable with. And I think, you know, the hope is that that's going to get you to this success. And the hope is that it's going to get you to this like deeper understanding. And maybe it will, you know, nothing about this implies that this is not what you should be doing. It's there's nothing wrong with it. But it's saying that like, you're kind of like working at maybe a shallower level. And you should be thinking a bit more about kind of like deeper things in terms of what you want and what you need. Wow. (laughs) I don't usually have to do that in front of an audience. So no, I got to put you on the spot. But hey, it's in the book. You teach us about tarot card readings. And so and I was just wondering, so that did that come before Jeopardy and, and then or is it part of the post? No, that that was that's I've been doing that for uh, for kind of years now. Um, yeah, it's 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 definitely a pre Jeopardy thing. Oh sure, yeah. Do you guys want to move move it so we? Because you do have lovely pumps on and oh, sure. dress is beautiful and everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it, it's, you also talk about uh, enjoying astrology, uh, mm-hmm. but then there's something you said in the book that I have to ask you. You said you you would not date a Pisces, and, and <laughs> I'm. I'm a Pisces, and I know there's some people in this room who are Pisces. To be clear, I did also apologize to Pisces in the footnote to that statement. <laughs> no, it's you know it's something where I, I think that I've gotten some value out of astrology, and it helps me sort of think about people and uh, the, the way people can be. I think that ultimately there's a reason I gravitate towards tarot rather than astrology, because tarot is transient and changing. And like, ultimately, I don't believe that anybody is, you know, astrology sort of says that everything is defined about you from the beginning. And that's not something that I ultimately believe. Um, And, you know, like, look, we're both in relationships, but I'm sure I would date you. Like, don't worry about it. (laughs) I, I only bring it up because... Yeah, we love you so much, you know, your fans and um, and all that good stuff. And we appreciate this, you just being you and just showing every, you know, fasten, everything interesting about you. So it's time for questions from the audience. So if you've got more, keep them coming. Uh, we'll start with this question. How have you dealt with online harassment transphobia? You are a role model to me. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, the... One of the best things that happened was that at the very beginning, Jeopardy hooked me up with Glad, and they kind of talked to me about this, you know, about life online and, and what to, to how to handle it. And so the main way that I've handled it is by not seeing it and, you know, not looking for it when I do see it kind of like, you know, letting it go as soon as I see it, because there's no value to be gotten from engaging with, with people and there's no point in uh, getting upset about it because there's, it's just not a productive thing to do. So ultimately, that's that's kind of the whole story is that I just I just don't read it. And when I do accidentally read it, I do my best to get it out of my mind, which is not always easy. Like it is hard sometimes not to take it personally. But I've been lucky in that it's been a relatively small proportion of what I've had to deal with. And so I've I've been able to. 
What was your thought process for all of your self-intro blurbs on the show? <laughs> well, thankfully, they've got, they've got a guy that helps you with that. Um, so, you know, it was, uh, to, a, to a fair extent, it was, it was uh, John's his name. It, it, was, it was John's thought process to, to help me come up with those things. Uh, but that said, I have been watching Jeopardy my whole life. I have a certain standard for anecdotes uh, as a viewer, and I very much wanted to not be the sort of person that I would be rolling my eyes at if I was watching at home. (laughs) And so I did work hard, not entirely successful, but as much as I could, I wanted every anecdote to be punchy, beginning, middle, end, to get out, you know, like I was was really working at that. (laughs) Which Jeopardy contestants do you keep in touch with, and do you have a group text thread? Uh, the, there is a group text with uh, most of the people that were in the uh, the Jeopardy Masters, uh, which is me and Mateus, Sam, and Matt, and Andrew, and James. Um, I, you know, I the one that I keep in touch with the most, uh, I would say, is Matea. I think that you know, I can say that we're you know, friends, I think is, I, I can actually say that we're, we're friends. Um, but there's, you know, plenty of others that I'm in somewhat casual touch with. And, you know, anybody who has been on Jeopardy uh, is, we, we've all got, a, we've all got something in common. And like, I've not had a bad experience with a fellow Jeopardy contestant, whether on, you know, the ones that I was actually with or people that I've met out, out outside of the show, you know, ever. So, you know, Matei is the one I'm in touch with the most, but like any Jeopardy contestant is, is a friend of mine on some level. Who is the smartest person you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I... It's okay to say me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... You know, I will say, and this com- comes across as a cop-out answer, but it truly isn't, that I reject the premise of the question. Um, you know, I have so many people come up and telling me that, like, oh, you're so smart, I could never be that smart. And it's because we have this idea in our head of what smart is that just means um, good at memorizing facts, the sort of smart that gets good grades um, and does well on standardized tests and all that sort of thing. And that is just, you know, that is not the same thing as smart. It is a, a variety of smart. Like smart is a whole, you know, ecosystem of different things. Um, and so the idea that there is one dimension that we could all, you know, we could all be put on a number zero to 100 of how smart we are is just, to me, is just fundamentally untrue. Great answer. Well, we already put the tarot cards away, but uh, what do you see in your future? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is a question that I'm very anxious about right now, to be honest. Um, You know, uh, so everybody tell your friends to buy this book. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I like I would very much like to. Uh, write another book and and another one after that and so on. I you know I think that you know I've I've come around to being very happy and proud of this book, but I definitely can look on every page and be like, oh, I want to rewrite that sentence or do this different or whatever. 
Um, and so I, I, I do want to write another one and, and, and keep getting better at writing because it's something that I found very fulfilling, if stressful and agonizing at times. Um, you know, beyond that, I hope to just be more, uh, you know, involved in, in advocating for, for my community. I feel like I kind of like in the last three to six months, I feel like I've dropped the ball a little bit on that and I want to become more, more vocal in that area. We need a president in 2024. I bet you could win. (laughs) I bet you could win. (laughs) I mean, in all seriousness. I, I, I have, you know, in in the last couple of years, I've I've spent some time in in political environments and hanging out with politicians, and it seems awful. <laughs> <sighs> I let out a. I'm gonna have some Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> we'll get. We'll deal with that next year. Okay. Do you have a good relationship with your parents? Um. Yeah. I mean, my. Uh, my father passed away um, about 10 years ago, maybe a little less. Um, but, you know, I, I had a perfectly fine relationship with him at the time. And I have a, I have a good relationship with my mom. Um, you know, she's not going to read the book. Um, and I, I respect that about her. Um, you know, it, it, it took us a long time to get there. And, and, you know, I talk a lot in the book about some of the, you know, hardships that I had being raised by my mother um, and the ways in which her, you know, her mental illness and the things that she struggled with impacted me. Um, And I worry that it's not going to come across how much I do also value and love and respect her and think that I am in, you know, in very many ways lucky to have had her as a mother. I wouldn't, you know, I would not be a Jeopardy champion without my mother having encouraged me from birth to to be as curious and and exploring as I am. Um, So yeah, it's been a long road. And I think that, you know, she's Catholic. And I'm even before, even before I was trans, I was not Catholic. And that was a thing that we had to navigate. But we we navigated it. And we've gotten there. And we we have a good relationship now. That's good. good. Has a complete stranger ever walked up to you? Yes. And <laughs> and told you to smile. And if so, were you perceived at the time as a man or as a woman? Uh, not when I was a man. Um, <laughs> but it did. Yeah. I remember. Uh, it's actually something like back on my old uh, Twitter account that, that I locked when I became famous. But uh, it was I, I tweeted about it. I said, uh, you know, I always knew intellectually that it'd be infuriating when a man tells you to smile, but it is so fucking infuriating. <laughs> I couldn't believe how upsetting it was when it happened. Yeah. <laughs> Should be a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> with, with you on it. Yeah, yeah your sure. Face. Um, what is your favorite place, or maybe some of your favorite places for trivia games in the Bay Area? Um, you know, the, like the one place that I was really a regular at, uh, and I haven't been back since pandemic slash being on Jeopardy and kind of feeling weird about doing it. But uh, Bobby G's Pizzeria in Berkeley has a Wednesday trivia nights that that I recommend. So, I mean, that's that's kind of the one I can say that I was really consistent with. Oh, actually, no, Cato's Ale House on Piedmont. That was that one's pretty good. Yeah. 
Oh, there is a chapter in the book where you talk about, you know, where is home? Mm -hmm. And you talk about Oakland. Yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about Oakland. Sure. What do people say to you (laughs) when you tell them you live in Oakland? You say you'll die in Oakland. You love Oakland. I I do love Oakland. That is that is my plan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, it's something that it's it's always, you know, I do have people ask me like, what's so, you know, why is it that you love Oakland so much? And to some extent, my to some extent, my answer is always like, you know, move there. You'll see. Like, it's it's just it's hard to put into words. Um, But I think it is, you know, it is about diversity, like is definitely a big part of it. It's about, you know, uh, a place where many different, you know, types of people have felt at home and felt ownership of it and advocated for themselves, you know, like, you know, Black Panthers is just an example of the sort of thing that that has come out of Oakland. Um, and, you know, it's also beautiful. And, like, we have the sun there, unlike in San Francisco, um, and, and all of that sort of thing. I think, you know, and a lot of it, too, is just, like, I didn't know anything about Oakland when I moved here. And it's it was so surprising that it was just such an amazing place that I basically knew nothing about and had been there all along. We're neighbors. Well, I only know we're neighbors because you wrote in the book where exactly you live by children's fairyland. Yeah. He's so do I. Oh, yeah. 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 No, it's it's funny. I've met – in the time I've lived here, I've met so many people while not in that neighborhood that lived in that neighborhood. Like, yeah, it's it's, it's a nice place. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll see you. Maybe so. (laughs) Don't get scared if I ask for a selfie. (laughs) Um. So how did you get selected to be on Jeopardy? Yeah, it's, so the, the process is that you uh, take an online test. Um, that's 50 questions. And everybody that gets over a certain cutoff number of questions correct, which they don't publicize, like general consensus is like 42 or 43, um, they take a random sampling out of those and move them on to the in-person audition or sometimes over like nowadays over zoom they they hope to go back to in person um and so if they select you for that you go in they give you another test to make sure that you weren't cheating on the online test and then they run you through some like mock versions of the game to see that do you kind of choke under pressure are you like quick um because it's a very fast paced show and do you just you know are they somebody that, are you somebody that they want to put on their TV show? Because it is a show, it's entertainment. Um, and then after that, they tell you that they might call you in the next year and a half, or they might not, and you sit there for the next year and a half hoping you get the call. Um, and I got to that phase like three or four times before I did actually finally get the call. I don't actually know the rules, but... Um, so can you just like keep going back as a champion, or...? Yeah, so well it's it's all it's changed um in the last few years. You know, like it used to be pretty standard that you would go on if you won enough games you would qualify for that season's tournament of champions and then that was the end. Um and in the last few years they've kind of been changing that to you know the they they changed executive producers a few years ago and the, and the new producer really like believes in kind of like building up the personalities of these, you know, quote unquote, super champions and like bringing them back more often and that sort of thing. So it's, it's all kind of like evolving right now. Yeah. So you you definitely do have plans to take advantage of any of the opportunities that come (laughs) up to go back, right? 
Uh, it is. I'll tell you what. It is hard to make money that fast in any other area. <laughs> Let's talk about Genevieve. Sure. Yeah, we have a few minutes left, and I, you know, it's a always save the best for last. And um, you do talk about meeting Genevieve and falling in love. Yeah. It was almost. Was it instant? Uh, it kind of was, and that, like, baffles me, because, like, I'd always found this, like, love at first sight idea to be ridiculous, um, and yet, like, I don't know what to say, like, she walked in the door of my apartment, and I was like, mm, that's it, yeah, <laughs> um, and, yeah, I mean, we just, like, you know, we, we, we were, we were both into each other right away, you know, I think that, at the time, she was, um, you know, she was, you know, in a relationship. She had, you know, didn't really identify as, uh, you know, as as lesbian, as gay at the time. And so, you know, for a while in our relationship, we both were just like, well, like, we're just incredibly good friends that hang out all the time. And throw parties together and go shopping together and give our friends joint birthday presents and all of this sort of thing. Um, you know, we just did all the coupley stuff in the world except, like, make out or whatever. Um, but, you know, that's, that's, you know, and that's kind of, like, something wonderful about our relationship is that we knew we wanted to be together even when all of that was off the table and so it's, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just great. I don't know. <laughs> You're blushing. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. So now on a scale of one to ten, how bored are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm very engaged now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, tell us about, you know, uh, that moment you asked for her hand in marriage. Well, uh, or if you did, that it did it that way. But you know what I mean. Yes, I. Uh, it was she. She asked me. I mean, we had. You know, it. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a total surprise. I don't think that marriage proposals should ever be a complete surprise. <laughs> um, and you know, I. I kind of knew that it was going to be happening like kind of that month. But there were a few like sort of occasions that month that might have been an appropriate occasion for it. Um, and you know, one day she just sort of was like, kind of like, was like, oh, I kind of invited this one friend over. And then it was like, oh, this other friend said that she wanted to come. And like, this was kind of early in the Jeopardy thing. And I was very stressed out about whatever I was dealing with at the time. And I just completely didn't notice. I didn't notice that she was like, you know, kind of getting dressed up and like doing her makeup and all this sort of thing. I was completely oblivious. Um, and then I, uh, I, I went downstairs to, to, I went downstairs to have a cigarette. Uh, don't smoke, but I do. Um, and came back up, and she had, uh, you know, there she was, like, you know, on one knee and, and <laughs> asking to marry me. I And I was completely taken by surprise, and it was wonderful. It was just, it was just what I wanted. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> You're making me tear up. <laughs> I love love stories. So, what's married life been like? Like, have you guys changed, or what? What do you? 
Well, I mean, I think that, you know, one, one thing about it is that when we, you know, met each other and when we fell in love, uh, my life was not going to be like this. This was not how either of us expected things to go. Um, and so it's been, you know, we kind of got our relationship stress tested right at the beginning of having, you know, everything turned upside down, of having, you know, it's not easy for her, you know, like, you know, we go out to these events, um, you know, and everybody wants to talk to me, everybody knows me, and, you know, it oftentimes she's just sort of standing there, like, you know, feeling, you know, ignored, and, and all of that sort of thing. It's it's a tough position for her, especially as somebody, you know, she is not a, a public figure or has any desire for fame or anything like that. This is not something that she would have wished for per se. Um, and so, you know, yeah, that was uh, something that we had to like, you know, right at the outside of our relationship, we had to deal with this like challenging, challenging thing. But, you know, at the end of the day, if in a marriage, like you're going to hit things that are that challenging, you know, more than once. And so while I would have liked, I would have liked it to take a little longer for a few more years before that. But it was good. It was, it showed us that, yeah, like we can, we got through the first, you know, couple of years of our marriage, so we can probably get through anything. Mm, yeah. Marriage. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess I shouldn't call her up here then to finish the rest of the interview. <laughs> I feel like that is not part of marriage. <laughs> she would prefer that you didn't. Yes, actually, right. Yeah. I'll see you soon, Genevieve. Um <laughs> You know, the reading from, right, like you telling us about the first marriage and not having the confidence to be yourself and then mm-hmm. and then meeting Genevieve and then her being a part of your confidence to be yourself. Not only that, but to be a contestant on Jeopardy and yeah. uh, win game after game after game 40 times. Yeah. Um, wow, life has changed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's like... It's it's absurd, like, the extent to which my life has changed. And it's, it's you know, it's funny because it's, again, like, that that same thing happened in, like, 2016, 2017 when I bent, went from being a married man to a single woman. And it was something that I completely wasn't expecting and I had to, like, kind of reorient my whole life around it. And then it happened again, where I went from being, you know, a mild-mannered computer programmer to, you know, Jeopardy Amy, like, you know, like, public figure. Um, And so it was like, it's been disorienting, but it was also the whole time I've been able to be like, well, I got through this the last time around, I can can get through this again. What advice would you, or what would you say to your... uh to yourself, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago? Well, I mean, you know, as always, my answer is, uh, dude, you're a woman. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think, I think the main thing I would say is that, um, you know, that your life, that not just, not your life, but life in general um, has, a, has a lot more twists and turns and in it than you expect. Um, it's there's a line from a book that I that I always misquote. This is Kim Stanley Robinson book that it, it says something like, uh, "Karmic lifetimes are much shorter than a human lifetime. We go through many karmic lifetimes in our single life." 
Um, and that's something I really think is really true, that there's so many chapters in our life that are completely unpredictable and completely different than what went before. And so, you know, be be open to that. Be ready for that, because if you think you've got everything figured out, you don't. And so... And and that's and that's okay. That's not a problem. It's just things are going to change in ways that you will not expect, and just be ready for it. Last question for you. Um, so while I was here, I was just checking my social media, and somebody had tagged me uh, uh, to read an article that the Wall Street Journal had just posted. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's about your book. <laughs> But the title uh, or the headline of the article was that, you know, Amy wants you wants to reintroduce herself as messy. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. So I <laughs> taking away from the book, though, it's not Amy is messy. I think life is and we all are. And yeah. that might be what you're trying to tell us. So what advice do you have for us who are all your fans here tonight? Yeah, I think that, um, I don't know, I think it's advice that I actually uh, learned as is in the book uh, from the TV show Daria, which is that everybody, however dumb or simplistic or not even that, but however much you think you have them pegged, however obvious it seems like it is what their deal is, um, get to know them. There's way more complexity to everyone than than you realize. Yeah. Should we actually end the program though with a uh, not a, not a question but a statement and then you answer with how what however it works? What should we- <laughs> uh, no no uh, <laughs> it's actually really hard to do that whole. Like, answers then the form of a question thing like that's why that's why i'm so glad the writers are back off of strike and that they can be working on jeopardy because i've had a lot of people try to do that with me and it it often goes badly so uh yeah we can just keep to the standard english question and answer thing going forward yeah got it i'm gonna stay in my lane everyone (laughs) amy schneider Thank you all for being here at the Commonwealth Club of California, and thank you to all of you who've joined us online. If you're here and you'd like to grab your book, we are we have them available throughout the door, and Amy's going to sign some books. For more events, you can head to commonwealthclub.org. We have great events coming up, and also our annual gala is coming up in mid-October, so I hope to see some of you there, all of you there. That would be great. I'm Michelle Miao, and I hope to see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.